Romans chapter 1 this morning. Romans chapter 1, thank you again. We appreciate so much just to be able to be here this week. And we know we've been told by several folks how much they appreciate us coming. We were just glad to be able to come. And, you know, it's, it's a joy uh, to be with you, just to see the heart that you folks have uh, just for the gospel, yes. to see people come to Jesus Christ. And that's exciting for us as missionaries. Because, you know, as missionaries, you just never know when you come back who's still going to be there that you saw the last time that you were there. Sure. Yeah. You never know whether the church's doors are still going to be open, yeah. you know. And as I think uh, either Brother Aldridge or Brother Lucky mentioned, uh, once you get on the mission field, you know, it's, it's a different way of life. And we depend on folks like you. Yeah. I mean, we depend on God. Don't get me wrong. God is the one that takes care of us. But when, whichever one has said it, it is right. When we get out on the field for the first time, we lost almost 15% of our support within the first six months. And when you're living on a mission field in a third world country trying to take, trying to take care of a family of seven, 15% can be quite a bit. Yes. So a lot of times people ask the missionary, do you have a budget? I said, no, because I never know what's going to come in each month. Yeah. I have had months where uh, it would be anywhere from $1,500 to $2,000 short. But yet you've got to do the same thing. Yeah. You've got to pay the same bills. You got to feed the same uh, amount, but you always find out. No matter what happens, God is faithful. Yes. And so we're excited about that. Romans chapter one. Stand with me this morning. Romans chapter one. Now I would encourage all those that if this is your first time here at Eastside Baptist Church, and you're trying to decide if this is the place you want to come, don't base it on my preaching. Okay. <laughs> Just remember that I'm not the pastor. <laughs> pastor Jed is the pastor. So please at least come back and give them a chance before you decide not to come back again. Amen? All right, Romans chapter 1. Now here in Romans chapter 1, of course, Paul is writing a letter to the Romans. And uh, he's trying to get ready for his coming to Rome to be with them. And if you notice in verse number 1, I'm going to read the verse here. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. And I like what the Bible says, separated unto the gospel of God. Paul was an apostle, but he said, separated unto the gospel of God. Now, my friends, this morning, if you're saved this morning, if you're on your way to heaven, you have received Christ as your Savior. You know for sure you're going to heaven. Yes, sir. Amen. I'm going to emphasize all this. You are separated unto the gospel of God. The moment you came to Jesus Christ, you are no different than the apostle Paul. You're separated unto the gospel. It is just as much for your responsibility to share Christ as it was his. That's right. Yes, sir. I know some folks will say amen and then you ne they never tell anybody. Uh, listen, uh, there's no greater joy than to, to tell somebody about Christ and then to have them bow their head and receive Christ as their Savior. There's, it's nothing like it. So we're all separated unto the gospel of God. But Paul comes down. We're going to concentrate this morning on verses 13 through 16. So we're going to take up in verse number 13. The Bible says, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oft times I purposed to come unto you, but was, was, but was let hitherto. Now it's all because I'm cold. Yeah. I still haven't gotten warm this morning. I kept wondering if there was a way to stick a space heater up here. <laughs> Because right? I'm from Texas. I'm not a cold person, all right? 
So if I stutter, it's not because I'm nervous. It's because I'm cold. All right. But was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you, also even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for today and just thank you for this opportunity to be here in church. Lord, knowing that we have the freedom to come. We have the freedom to preach and teach the Word of God. And God, what a, what a blessing, what a privilege it is. But as always, Holy Spirit, I beg you time and time again, I pray this morning, help the words and my thoughts not be mine, but be yours. And God, that whatever I say this morning would honor you and, Lord, that it would speak to the hearts of those that are here. And, God, if there is one here this morning without Jesus Christ, please, dear Lord, save them before it's too late. Bless the service we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, here the Apostle Paul, again, he's speaking to the Romans, and he's just trying to basically get them ready. He said, I'm looking, I'm coming. Now, growing up as a kid, I was an oddball. Any oddballs in here? Amen. All right, good. Now, you're going to notice I like to walk around. And, of course, this morning, if I walk around a little more than usual, it's because I'm trying to build up some body heat, all right? So I may actually start running around the auditorium in a minute, but just follow the best you can. But growing up as a kid, I was a nerd, a big nerd. I, I mean, if, if there was a word that was more extreme than the word nerd, that's what I would be, Okay. My ideal having fun was going to school, going home, doing my homework, and going to bed. That was fun. I had no friends. Whenever I would go outside and I would do things, even as a young man, as a teenager, I did a lot of things by myself. Even in my teen years, I was playing with matchbox cars. Some of you all look at me, what's a matchbox car? <laughs> Some of y'all are that young, amen? I know you get to be 60 and you start talking about matchbox cars and they think, oh, that's for those old people. Yeah, I know. But I used to go out, I mean, even in my 10 years, I'd go find me a place that had a lot of dirt. I'd take me a spoon and I would dig me out a city. It was the coolest thing. My wife, when my wife and I started getting interested, I was a senior in high school. And I went out with her one time out to the lake where some of her family was at. And here I am, everybody else is all the, all the family, cousins, everything. They're all over on one side visiting with each other. And here I am over here with the kids in the dirt digging streets. <laughs> yeah, I was strange. Uh, for the longest time when my of course, dad was Air Force, I always wore a crew cut. Now I wear my hair like this because I prefer it this way. All right, But back in those days, I hated it. And then when my dad finally let me cut, uh, grow my hair out, he grew it to a point, and it would, if you looked at me, it looked like they had put a bowl on my head and trimmed all the way around. Okay? So here, if you can imagine this, 17 years old, bowl haircut, glasses, braces. Anybody visualize that picture? 
okay? I was a nerd. I mean, and back in those days when we got braces, it's not like today. I mean, you, you kids today got it so easy. <laughs> back when we got braces, they would take these metal bands and they would stick them all the way over the tooth. So if you can imagine my mouth full of these metal bands all over my teeth, and then they run the wires through, the old metal wire through on both. I mean, y'all have no idea. That's, trust me. I mean, but I, it, it was something. So can you, if you can imagine, I'm metal mouth for one. I'm four eyes because I wear glasses. And of course, nerd because of my haircut. I was not a cool teenager. My first car, a 1976 Honda Civic. Talk about a sports mobile. <laughs> Little bitty car. I, I mean, I'm six foot tall. I could reach anywhere in the vehicle and touch the, each you know, side of the vehicle. My friends one day thought they'd be funny. I went out to the parking lot at high school. Next thing I know, I'm looking at my car and thinking, my car's a little bit taller than it used to be. And as I get closer, I realize my car's up on cinder blocks. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? I mean, I didn't even know God, and I'm saying, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? And they're over in the side watching. I mean, I was a big nerd. But even as a kid, growing up, being strange, being an outcast, I always wanted to do something with my life. Yeah. I was the guy that everybody would look at and probably would think would be the least likely to succeed. I mean, my wife, her, one of her friends, we went to high school. Her name is Denise. It's Denise McRoy now. Her and her husband are pastors down in Waco, Texas. But even when her and I were interested in each other, Denise would tell my wife, you can do better. <laughs> and here, after 40 years of marriage, I'm still telling my wife, you could have done better. <laughs> you know? But, I mean, I never wanted to be average, even as a kid. I would do things, and I thought, there's got to be more to life than this. Yes. There has to be more to life than this. And, of course, I found out when Christ came, there was. But there's four things in this passage of Scripture here, 13 through 16. I called the, the title of the message this morning is Four-Eyed Vision. You got glasses, amen? And people say they call you four eyes because you got four eyes. Well, Paul uses the term I four times in these four verses. And to me, when I think about these four things, I think about how we as Christians ought to be. First of all, he says in verse number 13, he says, I purpose to come unto you. In other words, Paul said, I have a reason to come unto you. I never wanted to be normal. I never wanted to be average. I wanted to do something. But when I was young, without Jesus Christ, I had no purpose. Yeah. I lived life without purpose. And there's so many Christians in our churches today, they live their life without purpose. No reason. Why do you go to work? Well, you say to make money, to pay the bills. Is that the only purpose you go to work? For us as Christians, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it tells us that whether we eat or drink, yeah. whatever you do, bring all to the glory of God. Yes. Yeah. 
So we, Paul says, I purpose. He said, I've got a reason to come to you. I want to be there because I want to be with you. I want to share Christ with you. But I want to know, I want you to know that I have a purpose for everything that I do. Yeah. When you get up in the morning, what's your purpose? When you read your Bible, what's your purpose? When you pray, what is your purpose? Are you just going through the motions? Or do you have a purpose for everything that you do as a Christian? Yeah. Good. Yeah. If you're here today without Jesus Christ, what was your purpose of coming? Uh, yes. Why did you come this morning? Were you looking for something that you didn't have? Well, you can find it this morning in Jesus. Amen. Yep. Trust me, when Christ comes in, when Christ becomes a part of your life, he will give you a reason to live. Yes, that's right. So many people, their only purpose today is just to survive. Paul said, I'm not here to survive, I'm here to live. My purpose is to live in Christ. When I went to Nepal, I went to Nepal with a purpose to do something. But you know, you ought to have just as much zeal and excitement here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Yes, sir. That's right. good. I don't know, folks, maybe I'm just blind, but have you looked around you? There's a lot of building going on. Yes, sir. Have you all seen that? Oh, yeah. Building means people. Yes. People mean souls right. yep. that need Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This mission's revival is not just about a vision and a revival as far as reaching the world for Christ. It's about reviving us as Christians to reach our Jerusalem. Amen. You get up in the morning, what is your purpose? When I went to Nepal, I had a purpose to go. I had a purpose to preach, to teach, to tell them about Jesus Christ. Was it always fun? <laughs> I remember our first Thanksgiving, we got a turkey. Okay, there's no turkeys in Nepal, all right, just so you know. You get a turkey, it gets flown over from Australia. And this bird was no bigger than a chicken, about seven pounds. There is eight of us. Well, Sheldon wasn't quite old enough yet to eat anything about his turkey-wise, but there were seven of us. And we got the seven-pound turkey. We were so excited. I went down. I went to pick it up. And I said, how much is it going to cost me? $85. Talk about an expensive bird. Amen? But I, bought, I paid for it. Here I am in a third-world country with my family. And I, we want to have Thanksgiving the traditional way. Now, needless to say, after that, we changed a little bit and we went to chicken, okay? It was a lot easier to get the chickens, a lot cheaper to get the chickens. But that first Thanksgiving, we just had to have turkey. Things are not always easy. But when you live life with purpose, when you live life having a purpose in your life to glorify God, to glorify the God of heaven, you can put up with a whole lot. Amen? You can deal with a whole lot. You can deal with no electricity. There was times, on an average, we did not have electricity at least 10 hours a day. 
How many of you teenagers can survive without 10 hours of electricity in a day? Tim, of course. <laughs> I should have known. The one guy. Uh, I love you, Tim. I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you. But, I mean... I, and I, you know, I, I kid with a teenager, but trust me, the average adult today couldn't survive 10 hours without electricity in a day. There was times where we were maybe 14 hours. At one time, we were up to 18 hours a day without electricity. But when you live life with purpose, there's a lot of things you can deal with. Now, I have to disagree with Brother Lucky when it, when it comes to steak, okay? <laughs> this stuff about well done being an abomination. I prefer not to have that thing mooing at me when I'm chewing on it, okay? <laughs> so if it's well done, I don't, ha I don't have to worry about whether it's dead or not. It's dead, okay? <laughs> you know, I, sorry, brother, I had to put that in there. But look, Paul said, I purposed. Okay, I purpose. I had a purpose for what I do. I have a purpose for coming to you. I have a purpose for telling people about Christ. I have a purpose in everything I do because when my life is done, I want something to show for it. When you don't live your life with, for purp with a good purpose, then what happens when you die? What do you leave behind? My kids are going to know Dad had a purpose. His purpose was him. Yep. It's all him. Now, do I do everything right? No. Do I do everything the way I'm supposed to? No. Do I always enjoy serving God? No. It's not easy serving the Lord. But there is no greater joy than serving the Lord. Amen. If you live your life with purpose and say, you know, Lord, I got, I got up this morning. I want to do something. Help me to do something worthwhile this morning. Help me to find somebody that doesn't know about you. Lord, when I read my Bible, Lord, look, I, I don't know what you have for me. How many of you ever read Leviticus? Yeah. <laughs> you know you can get something out of Leviticus? Absolutely. It's amazing. Yeah. No matter where you are in the Word of God, you can get something if you have a purpose when you read it. It's amazing. It's inexhaustible. I love it. Paul said, I purposed. Number one, I purposed. Number two, he said, I am a debtor. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 20, real quickly. I see my time up there. First right. Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 20. He says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, I'm a debtor to Christ, for one. But do you realize that I owe a debt to my family? I owe a debt to my wife. I owe a debt to my children. I owe a debt to my grandchildren. Yeah. 
I owe a debt to all those that I've had an influence over. I owe a debt to everyone that I've ever preached the Bible to. Yes. Right. I owe them to do right. I owe them to live right. I owe them to do what I say I'm going to do. Paul said, I am a debtor to all of you. Christ saved me. Christ gave me an, a home in heaven. He said, but I owe you a debt. I owe you, I, I, I owe you to live right, to be what I should be. Brother Lipke mentioned it this morning. Mm-hmm. Talking about what, I mean, people look at you. Do they know you're a Christian? If people don't know you're a Christian have no idea that you're a Christian, and as far as they're concerned, when they look at you, you're the farthest thing away from being a Christian? You had not paid your debt. That's right. yes, sir. Folks, people look at us everywhere we go. That's right. Amen? Yeah. You young people, people watch you. Great man that I used to sit under, Dr. Jack Howells, he used to say, Every man knows something that I don't know, therefore every man is my teacher. That's good. Yep. I owe a debt to all these people because they're learning something from me. That's right. So my question is you, my friend, today, if you're here and you're on your way to heaven, what do people learning from you? What are they going to remember the most about you when you're gone? Yes, sir. I, folks, I'm a debtor. I know that without a doubt. A debtor to the very God of heaven, but a debtor to everyone that God gives me an opportunity to come across their path. We owe a debt. You say, I don't owe anybody else. Well, yes, you do. You've got a life to live for Christ and you owe people to do what's right. You want this world to come to Jesus? Pay your debt. Yes, that's good. Do what's right. Speak what's right. Live what's right. Pray what's right. Don't just talk it, walk it. I meet a lot of Christians across this country and in other parts of the world. They talk a lot, but the walk don't match. Don't tell me you love God, but you don't tell people about Christ. Don't tell me that you love coming to church, but you won't shake nobody's hand. Don't tell me you love being around other Christians, when you never talk to anybody. Hey, if anybody, I mean, I was one of those guys. I, my wife will tell you, <laughs> uh, in the beginning when I go to church, I'd find my corner and stay put. I was afraid to talk to people. I remember the first time I preached, I think I've talked about this before, first time I preached, scared to death behind the pulpit in front of adults. I'd been preaching to kids up to this point, which is great. I love preaching to kids. Preaching to adults. I preached for 45 minutes long. Blue jeans, flannel shirt, belt, buckle the size of Texas, and tennis shoes. 
I was the picture of a prime preacher. Amen? <laughs> Young, 18 years old, or 19 years old. And, I, I mean, I got done, and that's when I found out that Baptists were liars. <laughs> I, I stood back there, and all these people come by, oh, Brother Ortez, that was the best message I've ever heard. You are so good, right on the money. Thank you so much for that message. And then my pastor says, brother, he said, here's, the, here's your message tonight. He said, why don't you listen to that? I'm thinking, this is going to be good. <laughs> I listened to that message, and all I could do was say, Lord, you have made a mistake. You have called the wrong person. But he did God can use anybody. It don't make a difference who you are or what you think you can do. And it's not based on what you think you can do. It's not what you, based on what you think your talents are and what your abilities are. All it, all it has to do with obedience. That's it. I'm up here behind this pulpit today because of a great God. I am who I am because of God. I am able to do what I do because of God. Yes. Because I knew what my talents and abilities were when I was a kid. I knew what I was capable of. But God knew better. Yep. And now here I am going back as a Bible translator. Wow. Amen. Failed English the first semester of my ninth grade of high school. <laughs> Already had a handicap. I was from Texas. Because they always talk about we don't know how to speak anyway. But, I mean, but listen, I, you know, God can use any of you. Yes. And there, along the way, as, as God began to teach me, I'm like, I had a purpose. He had a purpose for me. Uh -huh. And I wanted to live my life with purpose. And then I lived my life knowing that I owe a lot of people to keep moving forward. When he was talking about the Word of God, I owe it to those people. I'm a debtor to those people Amen. who've never been able to read the Word of God for themselves. Yes, sir. I had, I've got a debt to pay. But number three, look at verse number, number 15. So he said, I purposed. He said, I am a debtor. And then he says, number three, he says, I am ready. I'm ready. He said, I'm ready to preach the gospel. But what was Paul saying? He's saying, I'm ready. Whatever God wants, I'm ready. Whatever he needs, I'm ready. Amen. And if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, are you ready to meet God? If God should all of a sudden say, today's the day, are you ready? Listen, friend. Uh, I can sit up here and preach until I'm blue in the face. But it won't do you any good without Jesus Christ. That's right. You ain't going to understand what I say. You need him first. Amen? And if you're here today and you're not ready to meet your God, you need to get ready. But if you're here today with Christ, are you ready to do whatever it takes? As the world gets worse, as the times go on and people get worse and worse, 
as the persecutions become, begin, as men and women start going to jail for their faith, as church doors are closed because of the laws of the land, are you ready to take a stand? Are you ready to do what it takes? I, I mean, they're, they're in a country, my wife and I, even though we went, knowing that's where God was had us, we weren't always ready for everything. Things happened so many times. I learned how to be ready at a moment's notice. You learn how to be flexible, that's for sure, because you never know what's going to happen. How many of you have ever gone to a foreign country and done visa paperwork? If you've ever had the joy and experience of visa paperwork, don't come to Nepal. I mean, if you, if, you, if, you, if you fear the visa paperwork, don't come where I'm at. My wife and I, we, we went, it was such a circus. But we, I mean, we didn't know what, but we were ready to deal with it. I'd go in one time for my visa paperwork. They'd want this many copies per person. They'd want all this stuff signed out. They'd want me to make copies of this. They'd want me to do this. I had to have so much money in my bank account. I'd go through all that process. After about three or four hours, I'd finally walk out of there with my visas. The next time I went in, they'd change it. Now they wanted this many copies. They wanted this much. They wanted this much. They wanted this much. I, I, I worked on visa paperwork, and I guarantee you, in the whole time that I was there, no two times in a row did they require the same amount of paperwork. There was times I'd go in there and it would be packed. There would be people sitting, I mean, all these Nepalis sitting over on the other counter that are dealing with you. They're all over there sipping their tea and there's one little guy sitting up at the counter trying to take care of everybody. And all the other ones are look, sipping their tea looking at you. And I used to, I'm a people watcher too, brother. You got to watch foreigners in a country when they don't get their way. I learned real quick what not to do. But I remember so many times, boy, they just, foreigners get so frustrated, they start banging on the counter and they start doing all this stuff. They'd go in there and start shouting at people. And I'd sit. And I'd just sit there. I'd look around and back before cell phones, guys. Okay? Yeah. We didn't get to sit there while we were doing our visa paperwork and say, I think I'll play my game right now. Yeah, it didn't quite work that way. I'd sit there and sit there, and they'd keep looking at me. And finally, they'd get frustrated at looking at me. Never say a word. And next thing you know, they're like, come here. Come here, come here. And then I'd get my visa paperwork done. Yeah. But we always had to be ready. We never knew what was going to happen. We dealt with bondas. Now, in our country, bonda means everything shuts down. No transportation. The buses stop running. Everything stops running. The, the city comes to a standstill. They go out into the middle of the streets. When Bonda's protesting. And they'll go out right in the intersection. They'll burn tires. You want to go anywhere, you walk. And I remember one time, it was church night. And our church was at least a 20-minute drive from our house. Folks, I don't miss church, especially when I'm the guy preaching, okay? I walked an hour and a half to make sure the church service was went through. 
You had to be ready. You just never knew what was going to be happening. In the Christian life, it's the same way. Are you ready? Are you ready? Whatever happens, whatever comes your way, when the trials come, when the struggles come, when the heart, when you get ready to pay your missions and it's not quite there, yeah, right. are you ready? Listen, you live your life with purpose and remember that you owe a debt, even you young people. You say, I'm not that old, but you still owe a debt. There's others that watch you. How many of y'all got brothers and sisters younger than you? All right, you owe a debt. What are they going to remember the most about you? They're going to remember a brother or sister pounded on them all the time? Not Tim, right? Tim, don't do that kind of stuff. I did things to my little brother. I was the worst big brother in the world. I remember one time, and I used to tell this to my junior church kids. I remember one time, my little brother made me so mad. And I thought, that's enough of that stuff. <laughs> I went in and I took safety pins. And I, I safety pinned his entire sheets on his bed. Anybody getting a picture yet? And then when it came time to go to bed... I waited while he tried to get himself into bed. And he got a hold of the top of those, those covers and sheets, and he started, what in the world's going on? Even you looking, and I just, I'm over there just giggling to myself. Next thing I know, he gives it a heave-ho. Oh, I thought my dad was going to kill me. Because he grabbed them sheets, and he pulled as hard as he could, ripped the whole thing right off of the bed. Oh, I was not ready for judgment when it came, boy. <laughs> My dad had a little ruler back in those days. Now, I know, okay, I'll probably get in trouble for this, but that's okay. It's back in those days when we got whoopings. We didn't do timeouts. My dad had a ruler. It's about this long. It was only about that wide and about that thick. It looked like a little, you know, like something you use for drawing with. But here's a six-foot man. He weighs about 250 pounds. He's all muscle. He worked on B-52s. He could take that ruler and he could raise me up off the grounds at least a foot and never break that piece of wood. That was back when they built things worthwhile. Man, I mean, that little ruler was the toughest thing I've ever seen. When I went to high school, we had a, our principal's name was Mr. Kid. He looked like a bulldog. Crew cut, big. I mean, he was not a big, tall guy, but he was, he, I mean, he's just built. He had a paddle that was that long. It was that wide and that thick. It looked like something you put a pizza on and stick in the oven. And in those days in high school, you did not want to go to Mr. Kid's office. I'd, I'd, listen, I'd, I'd watch big, manly young guys go into his office and come out crying. I think we've lost something over the years, amen? I know people are like, 
You're so cruel, Brother Lord. Listen, I have seven children, okay? Five girls, two boys. My children are not going to be the ones to control the family. That's good. Yeah, that's right. Okay? That's all. We need to get back to that. Amen? It's not part of the message. That's just an ad. All right. So, but listen, I am ready. And lastly, he says, my favorite one. In verse number 16, he says, for I am not ashamed. He said, I live my life with purpose. I live my life knowing I've got a debt to pay. I live my life ready to do whatever God wants. He said, but I live my life because I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of who I am. I'm not ashamed of being Christian. One of my favorite verses is 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, or chapter 1, verse 12, he says, For the which cause I also suffered these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Yes, uh, we, got a lot of, uh, uh, we got a lot of Christians that are ashamed. Listen, folks, are you, are you proud to be called a Christian? If somebody asks you if you're a Christian, do you hem-haul around? And hem-haul means, you know, kind of stutter and... Listen, I, I'm not ashamed to be called a Christian. Nope. I'm not ashamed to be called a child of God. Amen. I'm not ashamed to be called the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm not ashamed to be called His servant, His child. But there's a lot of reason why a lot of folks are, they, they never see the true blessings of God because they live a life of shame. They're ashamed of who they are in Christ and therefore the rest of the world, that's what they see. You want people to come to Jesus Christ, stick your chest out and, and be proud of who you are. It's like being an American. I served my country for 10 years. My dad served it for 21 years. I'm proud to be an American. I was proud to serve my country. I'd do it again if they wanted me to. If my country wanted me to, I would, even at my age. I'm proud to be an American. Amen. But I'm more proud to be a Christian. Yes, sir. That's right. I may be called a missionary, but listen, I was a Christian long before I became a missionary. That's right. yeah. I became one in Christ. Amen? Yes, I'm not ashamed of it. It don't always get good response. Amen? I mean, we've dealt with things over, I mean, there's stuff that you deal with on a mission field most people never even think about, never even seen before. Demon possession, yeah. it's a real thing where we're at. Yeah. If you've ever seen somebody drop and start foaming at the mouth, it's not an act, it's not playing, it's not a TV commercial. It's real life people who are possessed by real demons. Listen, Hollywood has lied to us. That's true. But over there, we live it. We see it. We've had things show up outside our second-story window. We've had things happen in our house that are unexplained. The devil don't want us there. But you know something? I'm not ashamed. I'm staying. I was telling Brother Alden, I'm not ashamed to be called a Christian. I've had people ask me time and time again in the country of Nepal, are you a Christian? Yes. 
I don't hesitate. One, one thing that gets me, and I don't know if you're like this, if somebody asks you how you know for sure you're going to heaven, and you're one of those that says it's personal, let me explain to you what that is. You are ashamed. Because if I read my Bible correctly, if you have Christ, you're not afraid to tell people how you got him. That's right. Yes, sir. If it's personal, then you don't have him. I know everybody's like, boy, I'm glad he's done. <laughs> Listen, this conference is all about getting you ready for another day. Yes, sir. That's right. Getting you ready for another year. Yeah. Because the world's getting worse, and we now need to take even more of a stand than we've ever taken before. The devil is more real today than he's ever been before. So you better live your life with a purpose. You better know that you owe a debt. You better be ready because you never know what God's going to do or what the devil's going to do. And you better not be ashamed of who you are in Jesus Christ. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Heads bowed, eyes closed. As the pianist comes, I'm going to have everyone stand to their feet, no one looking around. The invitation time, I don't know what God's doing with you this morning. I don't know how God's speaking to your heart this morning. But my friend, I want you to be honest with yourself. How's your life? Is your life what it should be? Are you ready for another year? Are you ready to do what God wants you to do? Are you ready to make your life count, whether it's giving towards missions or doing something in the church? How's your life today? I don't know how your life is. I don't know what your need is this morning, but God knows. And I believe there's someone in here this morning or several someone. God's dealing with you because your life hasn't been what it's been, it should have been. Your life's what it's, it's, it's not what it should be. Most people around you wouldn't even know that you're a Christian today. If that's you this morning, you need to get some things taken care of.